This is the Big Brand Theory Podcast by Blackwood Creative, with your host, Kyle Johnson. And now, here's Kyle. Hey guys, welcome to the Big Brand Theory Podcast. Um, if you were listening to last season, you'll notice that you've got a different host here. My name is Kyle Johnson, and I am the owner of Blackwood Creative, and we do all sorts of marketing for companies all across the country. And we're here to share with you, our listener, uh, some of the things that we have learned and seen as we do marketing for different companies throughout the country. And today, we're going to talk about website strategy, um, specifically how to, as you're thinking about building a new website or revamping the one that you have, something like that. Um, there's a lot that goes into it. And so we wanted to cover kind of the basis of of that and like the strategy of building a website and what should be on it and 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 several other things. So we've got a list of eight things and we might come up with more on the fly. You just never know. Um, but today um, I've got a special guest with me. His name is Ashley Swanson and Ashley and I have worked together um, for, for a few years now on different projects um, at different levels. And um, he's got an interesting history. And um, like many of us in this industry, I think came from a different area and said, Hey, I kind of like this stuff. Uh, maybe I'll make a career out of it. So um, he's a fantastic designer, um, both graphic designer and web designer. Um, and really, I've enjoyed um, getting to know him and like his just his skill set in when it comes to building a website that actually does some really great work for that company. So Ashley, why don't you tell us a little bit um, kind of about your yourself and maybe like how did you get into where you're at now? Yeah, um, well, thanks for all those kind words, by the way, that was really nice. Um, yeah, so I went to college and was a youth ministry major and then um, I got my master's in theology. And so I spent the first 10 or so years after college in ministry. And um, one of the things that I always loved as a part of my job was when I would be able to do different graphics and whatnot for the church. And, uh, and that's because I, I loved Photoshop. Uh, Photoshop for me was awesome because uh, I was terrible with art. You give me a pencil in my hand and I'm, I'm no good, uh, but you give me a computer and I can actually make some stuff look pretty good. Yeah. And uh, so um, I had actually planted a church and um, in the process for like a lot of church planners, I was, I was, I, I was pretty poor um, and I had a growing family. <laughs> and um, so I started doing some graphic design work on the side and uh, very quickly, it, it really started to blow up for me in a good way. And I, I loved it so much and um, was forced to make a really hard decision and trying to figure out, you know, what do I what what do I want to be when I grow up? <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I'm 30 something years old and trying to figure this out. And um, so I, I made the really, really hard choice to step away from ministry and jump into um, full time web and graphic design and. Uh, as hard as that choice was, it was the best choice for me and my family. And uh, I, I absolutely love what I get to do. Um, I'm a freelancer. I work out of the house, get to see my kids, um, have quite a bit of freedom um, to be able to um, work on projects that I love and for, for people that I think 
are you know trying to make the world a better place. Um, those are the projects that I really try to um, to focus on. And uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a wild ride, but I'm super super thankful for where I'm at. And you and I share one random but interesting thing. Both of our wives have the same name, right, Stephanie? They do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's one of those things where you come across and you're like, "Oh, that's interesting." So, uh, with that, let's talk about more important things. Like, what are these people here to listen to? And that's like, let's yeah. talk about this web strategy stuff, right? So, yeah. So, we have people that are, you know, the website is really kind of the what we see as like the hub when it comes to like your marketing, right? So. You've got you've got so much stuff on there that customers need to use this information to contact you. They need to learn more about your company, whatever it is, or even buy products directly off your website. And so it's become this like main hub, and it's it's been this for a while. And so it's something that we feel like you should spend a lot of time in as you invest probably a lot of money. And you should spend a lot of time figuring out how can we make this the best tool that we can make it right. So let's talk about web strategy. Um, and we've put together cause we talked about it cause we're strategic people. We put together kind of, uh, I, I have a list of eight things that people should be doing when they're, when they're working on this. Um, and the first thing is like determining your goals. So Ashley, like when we're thinking about a website, like and goals, like what should we be looking at? Are there, you know, things that we need to be thinking about as far as goals? Yeah, and I, and I think this is the most important part. And, and you know, if you're listening to this, you might be thinking, you know, determine your goals, of course, that's, that's what everybody's going to say. Um, but it is absolutely essential to know the direction in which you want to take this. Um, because it's really easy to just get a new website and maybe design-wise it looks better than your last one. Um, but that does not mean it's going to actually help you or your business achieve what you want it to achieve. And so I think it's really important to um, to mark out the specific goals that you want. And um, one of the things that I think is important in this process is not to just be kind of nebulous with your goals, um, but to actually use SMART goals. Now, I, I think a lot of people are familiar with this, but in case you're not, um, the idea of SMART goals is that they're they're specifics, right? So that's what the S stands for, specific. Um, we, want, we want narrow goals. We want to, them to not be super broad. Um, and we want to be able then for the M to measure those goals. That's also an important thing. Um, if, if, if you want people to like your website, if that's a goal, well, then we better measure this somehow. So we need to have some sort of system set up to where we're actually interviewing users on the site. We're taking um, some sort of data so that we can actually measure whatever our goal is. Um, and then it needs to be attainable. So like, you know, you can want 500,000 people to be visiting your website in the first month. Every day. Um, no, every day, please. <laughs> every day. Yeah. Let's make it even better. Right. Yeah. Um, but if it's not attainable, then a lot of this goes out the window because it's not actually something you can get, get any sort of traction on. And um, but if it is attainable, the beauty of that is um, even if you're not getting it, but you're getting close, you can start trying to figure out, okay, where's this off? How do I get to this thing that we, we know is actually attainable? It might be challenging, it might be a stretch, but we can get there. Um, so that's the beauty of knowing it's something that you can actually get to. Um, and then the R stands for relevant. Um, does it actually, is it in line with your company's goals? Um, that's a really yeah. important part. Yeah. And then time-based. Um, to me, it's really important, like, if one of our goals is to um, increase leads on the site, well, how, what does that look like? How many leads? 
And, and when is our goal, you know, based if we want to increase by 30, by when, you know, 30 by next year in the next six months, Q1, Q2, um, putting some sort of time on that, I think is really important. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I mean, it's, it, I think people can set goals. And I think oftentimes they do, but it's all a lot of times it's, we want to increase traffic. Okay, so what does that mean? And is it more visitors or is it more returning visitors? Like you're saying, like, we got to get specific on this. We got to know like what we're aiming at. Otherwise, A, if your goal is that, you know, open, you're, you may say, well, great. We increased traffic last year. We had, you know, a thousand visitors this year. We have 1100. It's like, okay, so what, you know, that's, I think, and to your last point, is it, or is it like, in line with what what your company is trying to do in general i think that's a huge idea huge thing there so um, i think for us like we run into some customers and their goal is, is a lot of times it's revenue a lot of times it's growth in that way but sometimes it's not sometimes it's more of like we need to we need to we need to reduce the amount of time our our csrs are spending on the phone so let's increase the amount of information that's available to have a better customer flow or something. And so you're solving different problems outside of just growth, just revenue. I think um, if you start paying attention to those types of goals, it can make a big difference as well. So, And I think that's actually a good point is this is the time to have all the stakeholders at the table, right? Like yeah. this is where you're agreeing on these goals. And then um, uh, kind of then at that moment, you need to release the team to actually go and do what they're doing. So whether yeah. it's your web design team or your marketing team, whoever it is, um, let them formulate a game plan. Um, but this is a really important time to actually have everybody at the table and say, do we agree on these goals? Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, if it's just your marketing team says this is our goals and they bring it back to the C-level, people and they're looking at the goals saying, well, this is not what we, we actually envisioned with our website. Mm -hmm. um, so it's important that I think that you get sign off at that point um, with everybody who's a stakeholder in the project or in the company. Uh, because as you said, your website is, is incredibly important. It's your hub of, of a lot of businesses. Um, and if you don't start it right, if you're not all in alignment with your goals, um, it's just going to create, create some issues internally. Yeah, 100%. So the next step, right, is we've got some goals in mind, whatever they are, growth or something else. Um, then then what, right? We're, we're going to talk about audience and who's coming to the website. So like, what's our, what's our first step when we're thinking about that? Like audience, like where, where should we go first to define yeah. that audience? I think it's so important to know, um, kind of, you know, have a basic, um, persona for your audience. You know, what, what does this person look like? Yeah. You know, are they, um, are, are they is your target audience in their fifties or sixties? Um, are they younger? Are they millennials? Because uh, they're using the internet very different. They have different expectations mm -hmm. for their websites. Yeah. Um, you know, somebody maybe who's in a, an older demographic uh, wants a, a simple website. It doesn't mean they don't want it to look good. It doesn't mean that they don't want um, nice features and everything, but they don't want to be looking, you know, in random spots for the navigation. Generally, they want it to be more open. Where somebody who maybe is millennial is going to be impressed by using a little bit of savvy and having maybe a creative navigation and how things are displayed on the site. Um, but you can't know that unless you know who your audience is. And your audience isn't everybody, as much as you would like to think it's everybody. What? Wait, 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 <laughs> are you sure? 
<laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> it's not everybody. Um, even Apple, their audience isn't everybody. ESPN, their audience isn't everybody. So I think it's important to to figure to figure that out. Figure out who's you know who's buying from you, who's visiting your site. Um, but more than or not just more, but um, but in conjunction to that, where are they coming from? I think that's another really important one. Um, you know, if you're getting a lot of your traffic coming from from uh, blog posts that are being shared online, well, you might want to structure your website differently based upon that. Um, you know, at the at the end of every blog post, you should probably have some sort of call to action, um, whether that's to like subscribe for your newsletter or um, some sort of lead generating thing, which I think we're going to talk about later. Um, but knowing where they're coming from also affects the the way that you build your site. And there's a lot of key strategic things that you can do based upon um, having some sort of idea of who your audience is and where they're coming from. Oh man, that's gold. That's gold. You got to know who they are and how they're getting there. I mean, man, yeah, that's, that's, that's powerful stuff. I think um, if I want to add to that, like one of the questions that I often ask customers as they're thinking about their audience is, I ask them like, who's already buying from them? And then who do they actually want to have, you know, as customers, right? Because every business has customers that give them money for a product, but it's a rough transaction. It's, you know, they're, you're racing to the bottom for price or whatever it is. And you're like, I just don't really want to deal with that type of customer. I want this type. So it's kind of using that 80, 20 rule, like, usually 20% of your customers are making up 80% of your revenue. So look at that 20% and like say, this is our ideal customer and who we're building this product for. And let's modify the website to fit that persona as well. Um, and that may help us, even though maybe we have a different, uh, we have a wider audience that's already buying from us. If we can get more narrow and clarify our clarify who our audience is, who our, as Seth Godin calls it, who our tribe is, like who's like in it with us um, and not just a transaction here and there. I think that is another clarifying step on the audience thing. And that's broader. I mean, that's company-wide, but it also is a huge, huge thing for when you're building out your website, so. Yeah, and I, and I think that's, I really think that's important because at this point in time, like if there isn't a little bit of friction of, feeling like somebody might be getting left out, then um, you may not be digging hard enough at this um, because somebody should be. And I know that that's hard and nobody, everybody wants, you know, the site to appeal to everybody. And, and there are ways of, you know, um, negating some of the risks of that, certainly. Um, but uh, as you work through this process, you know, it shouldn't be everybody because I mean, if when you get so broad, you're you're now not speaking to anybody, and and I really like I to me this part is super super important is to know who who your audience is, um, or like you said, who do you want your audience to be, yeah. and and really create a custom experience for them. Um, I think that's that's it's really important. Hmm. Okay, so we've got goals in place, and we know who our audience is. Now we want to start designing. Isn't this it, right? So we just design and we're done. Like, or, or is this like design has some relevance to everything? But is it is it everything? Or like, what what how, what kind of role does, does the actual design play in the website? 
Yeah. And, you know, this is tough for me because uh, as, you know, part of what I do is, is, you know, I work in sort of a creative director role and um, I love design, right? Like to me, I would make the fanciest, coolest design. <laughs> and, um, but that is not the end all by any means. Actually uh, having that as your goal can create a lot of problems on your site, to be perfectly honest. If you look at a lot of designer, web designers, personal portfolios that's where they just kind of go crazy and you're like wait a second where's the navigation at like how did i get here how do i go there like because we just want to have fun right um but design um really at its core is solving a problem so again this is where understanding the goals and the audience right because we won't understand what the problem is until we have those two things figured out um and so design really it's i do think that it's very important but having the sexiest website in the world is not that important for people. Mm. As a matter of fact, you can have just a decent looking website that's not wowing people. Um, and it can be incredibly effective if we figure out some of the other stuff with our goals and our audience and we craft a message around that. Um, your design does not have to look like Apple's website. Um, again, I think it can build a lot of credibility. It can build a lot of trust. Um, if you have a terrible brand, um, where you're using 20 different fonts, 20 different colors. Uh, the user is not going to trust you or your company or your website very much. So I do think there, there is a threshold that's really important to be mindful of. But man, if you, if you can't get it to the place to where you are winning awards, that does not mean that your website can't be incredibly effective. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I'm, I think that design for most of us is how pretty is it? But in reality... Like design should also be thought of with functionality in mind. So this design looks good, but you know, even just the concept of like white space, right? So allowing for your mind to have, to not worry about this spot over here on the website, because I'm focused on this image or this call to action button or something like that, that design is a, it's, it looks good, but B it's functionally good. And I think that's where, like you said, why do we need to, as much as we want to, why do we need to make this like jaw dropping design? If you think of a website in the, in the same realm as a car, you could have all these beautiful Ferrari type sports cars and man, they look great, but like, they're not that functional, especially when you have a family. So thinking of that kind of concept when you're going to your website and you're saying, well, you know, even like you, like you mentioned before with the audience, like here's our audience and they're mainly in their, you know, let's say they're senior citizens in general. And so we need to go at this design that's going to fit them and help, help them both with look, but also in functionality. I think that's hugely important. So on that line though, we've got some design figured out, right? So well, we need to move into the content piece of it. Like what's actually going on to our website. Um, this is where, to me, this is point number four, right? So we're halfway through kind of our process here. And this one to me personally is so important. It feels like the most important thing. I'm willing to be wrong if you say so, but, um, but it feels like, the idea of clarifying your message, right? We're gonna steal a little bit from Donald Miller's story brand and his concept there. 
Um, and if you're working on this website process, you should definitely explore kind of his um, content, his podcast, his books, all that kind of stuff. But the idea of clarifying your message, what is it um, that you actually offer and that kind of thing. So tell me a little bit about that. Like what do you, when you, when you think about clarifying your message and the actual content of this, like, what does that mean for you as you're designing it? Yeah. I mean, it can mean, it can mean a lot of things, but one of the things that Donald Miller says a lot is if you confuse, you lose. And, mm-hmm. and that is, is so, so true. Um, and, and it's operating out of this idea that he, he talks about to where our brain just wants to preserve calories. That's, that's like our whole goal in life is to preserve <laughs> Survive. calories. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of people in the marketing world that want to get really cute and they want to, um, you know, they want to write a, a thesis on why their product is the best product. And the problem is nobody at the end of the day wants to read a thesis, right? No. So, um, and if, you, if you're trying to get so granular and um, specific on certain things, um, you can actually just be a bit confusing to the user. Um, or if you're using a lot of like industry jargon yeah. and your, your, your customer doesn't know all of that jargon, um, you, can, you can confuse people that way as well. So really it's, it's incredibly important to outline your copy in a way um, that, that avoids any kind of confusion whatsoever. And, um, and that takes, a, that takes a decent amount of work and it takes, um, another process that I think people often have a hard time with. It takes like, you know, crafting your copy and pressing pause and actually sharing that with people mm-hmm. and asking them to tell you what they think it is that you do. What are your services or what is it that you're selling? Um, what is it you're trying to communicate with your website? And if they can't do that clearly, then, we, then we've got a problem. You're not being clear enough and you got to keep honing. Um, and that, this is like where you were saying, um, this is, I think, one of the most important parts of, of the process. And this is coming from me as a designer who my, <laughs> my favorite part is to make things look good. Yeah. Um, but man, if you can't clarify your message, you're, you're in for, for a lot of problems and um, you really got to drill down on this one. I'm, I'm going to, I, I, you know, again, Donald Miller did not sponsor this podcast, but he has really, he's done this, right? He's clarified the whole idea of clarifying your message and keeping things simple and keeping, um, kind of helping people understand, like, as he calls it, like, give it the grunt test, right? So he always says, like, grab your laptop, open up your website, show it to somebody for like three to five seconds, close it, and then ask them, what do we do? And why should you choose us? And if they have, if they tell you, I have no idea, you get to go back to the starting block and, and, and rebuild this thing. But the, the biggest, the biggest area in this, I feel like, like you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of nuances and there's, I think there's place, there's area for detail, right? There's, there's going to be areas for, um, for specs and those types of things, but when especially when we land on that home page and we see that hero area right like for me we've got to we've got to answer that question like what is it we do and we got to answer it both in the text and the layout and the images or if it's a video background or something there's a lot of things that can answer help us answer that question um but i think then like then this almost leads us into the next point of this idea of like, so the customer is going to say, so now what, what do I do? So for, if you go to our website, 
you know, you're going to see like we help ambitious businesses grow through content marketing and branding. And so really quickly, you understand that we do content marketing and branding and we're looking for companies that are in a, a ambitious growth mode. So we answer some of those questions. We put in some imagery, all that kind of stuff. So then, then what, right? So it leads us into the next point of like creating a path because these two go hand in hand. We've clarified kind of our message, but we also need to give them a clear path. So how do you like, when you think about clear path, like what are some things that we can do to help a customer have like, know what's next? I've got to your website, but now what? Yeah, and I, I think this is um, an important part is now we're gonna create kind of a navigation, some steps in which we hope they will take throughout our website. Um, and, and some of this will change based again on knowing your goals and your audience, right? Mm -hmm. So um, as we're talking about this idea of copy, you know, um, the text on your homepage should be short and simple as they, but if you are selling something that's a big ticket item, right? Um, so if it's something that is uh, more than $500, there needs to be a journey for that user to click one or two, three pages into your site. And then we're actually gonna start unloading a decent amount of copy because they need to have that confidence, you know, to push them over the edge. And so we need to provide a lot of that information. Um, and that's all a part then of the path that we're creating for them, like what that user journey looks like. Um, some people, uh, so if it's a, like I said, a high ticket item, we've got to be specific with that. And maybe certain things are a part of that process. Um, you know, I've worked with um, uh, architects down in Florida and um, they just wanted images of their buildings. <laughs> and um, I was like, well, I, 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 that's cool because you guys do some really nice buildings, but I think we need to do we need to do more than that. And so when thinking with them, you know, thinking about this path, one of the things that we said is, okay, we'll, we'll give you this really simple homepage that shows off your work visually, right? Um, but then we're going to ask the users to click into your portfolio. So we start to strip away everything and we really elevate their portfolio. And then when they get, they click into the portfolio, now we're going to have your best items um, up top. And we want them to create some really great case studies. Okay. So now we're creating a journey, but the case study can't just be a case study without any call to action. Right. Now we want to follow it up with some sort of very intentional call to action, whether it be um, uh, a contact form right there or a phone number, um, something that gets the user from landing on your homepage to actually doing that thing that you want. And, and you got to outline that path. Um, it can't be something that, again, is so generic um, because if you don't tell users what to do, um, they won't know what to do. So this is where, um, you know, when, when we talk about design, this is where design is important because your buttons might be the most important part of your website. Mm -hmm. yes. um, are they placed in the right spot? Do they, are they obvious? And is the copy for your buttons, um, is it obvious? A lot of times I think we want to use very generic copy, but again, keep in mind this path and tell the user what you want them to do. What's the next step? Is it learn more? A lot of times it can be, but sometimes it needs to be more specific. Um, is it just contact us? It might be, but it probably is more sign up now, you know, something along those lines. And this is where, um, you know, your the best maps are highly detailed and have very well thought out steps. Um, a terrible map is where you have five different options and none of them really are very clear to you. Mm. Um, and so this is where I think 
Um, before we ever design something, it's helpful to know, okay, we want them to go on the homepage. We want them to do this and we want them to do this. Okay, what if they don't do this? Or what if they have questions? Okay, we're gonna create a, an additional page over here to deal with their, their, their hesitations. We'll make that an FAQ page because they, they may not sign up right away. They may have a lot of questions. All right, now they're on the FAQ page. Where do we want them to go from here? So we've got to kind of map all that stuff out, pointing from, again, the landing page of the homepage to the end result, whatever that goal is. And we've got to have a good, good idea of what that journey looks like. And I, and I like the words that you're using because you're talking about a map, right? And, and a lot of times when we're talking to somebody about the flow or the feel of their website, um, what they have in mind is more of like a restaurant menu. Here's all of our options, pick one. And while you're at a restaurant and if you, if you notice some really good restaurants, some of my favorites are, they have such a limited menu, right? So you can customize and do some things like that. But if you think about one of my favorite burger joints is five guys, right? I know right now that they have like five things on their menu and they are wildly successful. And then you go to some of the other, some other restaurants and, and they've got pages and pages of menu. And you're wondering, I, I don't even know where to start. Like, I'm just going to pick something I know I like. And so I think the same concept applies here. It's like, instead, if I had a, uh, you know, a server come to me and say, well, what do you know, like, here's our, here's some, here's four options that we have specials or different things like that. And they're kind of guiding us through the, uh, the process of ordering the same thing with the website, instead of dropping in somebody's lap, here's a giant menu of options for you. Instead, let's guide them. And I, I really like the concept of stop handing a menu to them, start handing them a map. Mm -hmm. And the map needs to be way back in, you know, in your planning phase. Um, prior to start, you know, to the build process, but man, how important that is to know that like your customers need to be on a, on a path, on a journey and not just standing in front of a menu. Yeah. And it's something people may be wrestling with too. Um, I've seen this a lot in, in web redesigns is, you know, back in maybe like the, the early two thousands, um, people started getting in this understanding that Google wanted content. They wanted a lot of content. So people just started building out millions of pages. And then somebody told them, well, to have good SEO, you need to have those pages linked in your navigation. So people just started having giant menus. <laughs> then people were like, oh, this is too much. And so then we started having these mega menus, right, with, with a ton of different options. Mm -hmm. and, and it looked cool. Um, and we would, I would have people come to me and say, you know, I love this menu. Look at how cool this is. The problem is, so just like what you're saying, is people like stand there. And as we talked about this idea of nobody wants to burn calories, that is, that is too much for them to take in. Yeah. Sometimes it's fine. If you're like a blog or you're running, you're running a blog that has, is more for like a news agency or something like that, then that's fine. But a lot of times it's, it's too much. And we need to really like strip away a lot of the excess. And so one of the things that um, I do a decent amount when working with web redesigns is not add pages to a site. It's actually, how can we consolidate this mm -hmm. information so that it's actually helpful for the user? And, and that's a painful process for people sometimes <laughs> um, because they we become very attached to what we have. Um, but again, if it's not helping out the end user, then um, it's not it's not practical. It's not, there's no reason for it to be there then. Yeah, and I think when you had those huge menus, that's when we started implementing search bars, right? Because 
back to the trying to conserve your mind, trying to basically just survive. It's, I think I know what I want, but I'm not going to navigate through this massive menu. Just give me a search bar. I'll type it in and figure it out from there. Um, I think that's a lot of value when you have a massive website, but more importantly, like how can you just really go back to that map style and say, let's, let's walk them through a path. And to that point, you kind of mentioned before, like with your buttons and your calls to action and different things like that, like that's something that's, it feels like it's, it's constantly changing and learn more works a lot of the time, but not always, but like you talk a little bit about, um, like a direct call to action, which is often like buy now or sign up or something like that versus what we call like a transitional call to action. So like talked about, talk about that a little bit. Like what, what does that look like? How can, how can somebody think about when they would use those two different types of calls to action and so forth? Yeah, no, I think that's great distinction. And this is important. This is an important part of the process of also recognizing your, your website um, might, should be the hub, but it may not be the end all, right? So not everything is going to happen on your website. And so here's an example of that. Um, say you have uh, your, your, the price point for whatever it is that you provide, whether it's a service or an actual product, say it's $2,000. Somebody may feel like that's just a bit too much at this point in time. Um, and so um, what, uh, what we like to do, um, and it doesn't actually necessarily correlate with your price point, um, but uh, is create a transitional call to action. And this is something that we're going to give away for free. And um, it's a lot of times it's an ebook or um, an online course um, or uh, something along those lines, but it has to feel like there's a lot of value to it. Um, they say that uh, people don't want to give up their, they won't give up their email address unless the value in which they're, they're getting out of something is about $8 worth. And so we got to think through different ways of giving up, giving up content for people. Um, and so what we're going to do is create a transitional call to action. It's an ebook, great headline. That's really enticing. The user thinks this is worth $8. This is worth my email address. I'm going to put my email address in and, and then get this, this asset, whatever, like I said, whether it's an online course or an ebook or something along those lines. And then this is where you, we want to create systems, um, have some systems in place here where the website's not doing all the work. Right? This is where we're going to have some sort of email sequence um, that is then starting to work, even if the user isn't going to their site. Um, and this is where I think having a comprehensive marketing plan is helpful. And again, knowing your website's role within that whole plan is also very important. Um, so with like a transitional call to action, what we would do is they get the, the, the free ebook and, and then we're going to be sending them you know, five follow-up emails. Um, and one's maybe a testimonial, one is addressing specific objections to what, what it might be. Um, or, you know, if your customer has pain points or specific objections that you hear a lot, um, like, is it actually worth this kind of money? Um, those kinds of things. And then the, the final email is just a direct, like blatant, like, all right, you haven't signed up yet. We need you to sign up. This is why, this is why this thing is going to make your life better. Um, but again, this is not just relying on your website to do all the work. Uh, it's, it's, it's having a comprehensive plan and knowing the website's role within that plan. Um, so that's definitely one thing. Um, and then another thing that um, when we talk about this path, 
the I to me the journey does not end necessarily if you know if you want them to contact you, um, it doesn't end when they send in that contact form. We need to continue to nurture that again through emails. Um, but one really really simple way is your thank you page. You know, do you a lot of times you fill out a form and you get this little notification beneath your form, thanks for signing up or yeah. thanks for um, your form was submitted successfully or something like that. What I like to do is um, is then redirect that user to a page where we've got some additional information, right? Um, hey, thanks for signing up. This is what you can expect now. And then I love to personalize it by having some sort of video from, from maybe the CEO or, or um, somebody um, in the business just to like, just to give it an extra touch, right? Like we're so used to interacting with websites where it's just words and images and a video I think can go a long ways. And it doesn't even have to be, in my opinion, this is the point where this is, can, can be even more informal. It doesn't have to be overly professional. If you can't drop $20,000 for a video, that's fine. I think just pull out your iPhone and thank somebody for, yeah. for signing up and tell them how excited you are, talk them a little bit more about your values, what sets you apart. Um, so these are all like, these are just different things and understanding what that that process is what does that look like um for your user and um if you can keep them in a loop so they're constantly in communication with you through email through your redirects on your thank you pages all that kind of stuff um your newsletter then then you then you're in a really good spot for sure i'm, I'm like taking notes here like oh we're going to do this we're going to change this on our website now that's <laughs> so good um and in the idea of like walking them through that path and helping them with the decisions, like your decision here is should be this or it should be that. And even when we go back to design on the, you know, the size of the button, the location of the button, is it just text? Is it an actual look of a button or something like that? I think all of that kind of plays into that. Um, kind of telling their mind as they're listening, like, oh, this is super important. That's why this button is bigger and it's bold and it's prominent versus this one is just going to get you more into the weeds. So it's just a text and it says learn more. Um, so I think, I think there's a lot that can go into that for sure. Um, so you talked about keeping customers in a loop, right? And that's, I think that's 100% true. We need to be doing that. How do we get them? Like, how do we get them there in the, to begin with, right? We're talking about driving traffic. This is our sixth point. We're like, we're, you know, two thirds or uh, three quarters of the way in. So like, how do we, like, if we just build this, right, they won't just show up magically. I mean, in certain cases, yes, but most of the time, there's got to be some sort of thought put to driving traffic. So what what's your thought on that? Yeah, I... You know, I think there's a lot of different approaches, but for me, this is where campaigns are really important. Um, and just thinking through a, a specific way in which you can, you can drive um, a lot of traffic. Now, sometimes this can be um, a promotion to where um, you're, you're, uh, you've seen some of these, uh, I'm trying to think of what it is, like King Sumo, where um, you sign up for this. And then if you like our page, you get added all these different additional entries and those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And some of that stuff actually can work for sure. Um, uh, or it can be a really killer blog post. And, um, but it can't just be, again, this is where we're thinking of it from actually 
driving traffic, not Google SEO. Like, so we want just the most ridiculous headline um, that is going to catch people's attention when they're scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or whatever, um, so that we can we can get them into the site. Um, and so, to me, I think this is where it's not just building a site and hoping people will come, uh, because that that rarely happens. It's about starting to get different campaigns in order, executing those campaigns, and then trusting that that it's actually going to be working and um, and and monitoring whether or not it's working. Because if it's not working, then you need to adjust some things. So I mean, you know, you can get into the weeds on the different campaigns and different things that you can do, whether it's like I said, blog posting or guest blog posting or something that you're posting on on social media that's driving a, generating a lot of interest and generating a lot of traffic. Uh, there's a lot of different things, but I, I, I like to think of them not as like the shotgun approach where we're going to do a bunch of different things. We're going to try out two or three things, see how they work, measure it. If one of them works, man, we're going to lean into that and we're just going to pour a lot of funds into that. Um, we're going to, you know, do now we're going to get into maybe some paid advertising to help drive some traffic. Um, and if none of them work, well, then we need to reevaluate and figure out something different. So um, that's what I like to do personally, because I feel like if you have a couple campaigns that I can monitor, that goes back to the smart goals. That's something we can look at. Um, but if it's just real, you know, generic, we're hoping we, we just, you know, drop $20,000 on this website. It's going to look great. People are going to come. Um, that, that's not going to be not, not going to be enough. And I think that like, when you think about driving traffic, and when we like as an agency as Blackwood, we we do we build the website as well. We also help with driving traffic. Um, just a little plug there for us. So if you need help with that, just give us a call. So, um, but um, but it's one of those things where this kind of needs to be done in tandem, right? So we're 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 building out this website, and it should you know it should fit like our high level goals and all that kind of stuff. And then we're talking about driving traffic to it. And one of the things we run into sometimes is somebody says, Hey, I want to, I want to push this product or I want to push this service. And you're thinking, and, and you're like, okay, we can run some ads, but where are they going to go? Right? So what's the bet? Should they just land on the homepage that, or should they land on the contact page or like, where are they going? Right. And so it's kind of this, like, look, we need to do this together. And sometimes you go back to saying, well, if I want to drive traffic to this website or I want to, I want to focus on the specific product, right? I'm going to run some ads. I need to build a landing page, right? Specifically for that product or maybe this deal or something like that. We've run into that several times as we're, we're running, uh, building out a campaign and you're saying, well, where, where are they going to go? You know, what are they going to do? Um, and it kind of goes back to that whole customer flow, um, and that entry point of everything. So, um, yeah, and I, th I think that's a, I think it's a really good point. Um, because one of the things that I see a lot of people do is they run ads to their homepage <laughs> and your homepage should be directing traffic, right? Like it's for yeah. people who, um, in my opinion, I approach the homepage as the person who's, we, that's our organic traffic. So they're coming to us from Google. Um, and, um, but when you're using ads, you're, you're now being more specific, right? So if you're looking at, um, say your work, your client or not your client, my client would be say an orthodontist or somebody like that. Well, are they working with adults or are they working with kids? Um, are, is your specific campaign targeting either of those? Um, in my opinion, it would be better if you, if you really got, again, got in the weeds on this one and tried to figure out who it is, uh, because you're going to, your, your images are going to change. 
Um, your copy is going to change. Uh, but that's where we're, we're not, you know, your homepage for an orthodontist might talk about doing braces for an adult or braces for a kid or even um, some of the pre-services before you even get to the braces. I have a nine-year-old, so I'm kind of learning about some of this right now. <laughs> yeah. um, and, uh, but, but then a landing page, right? That's where, you know, they're coming to us from maybe some ads we put on Facebook or we're using Google ads. And then now I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk about kids. And I'm not going to put pictures of adults because that's just that's that's noise that the user doesn't mm. need. So we want to strip yeah. away a lot of that stuff. Um, so there's a lot of rules with landing pages that we could talk about. Um, but I do think that that's something that's that's important to be to be mindful of for sure. Yeah. And so when we're talking about campaigns, right, one of the biggest things, which is our next step in this and in, in this process is measuring. Right. And you mentioned you hinted at it before. Um, there's a lot when it comes to websites there's a lot of things to measure right and um and and at this point it's kind of there's some standard things that comes along with the website of course it needs to be mobile friendly um, different things like that and one of the things that honestly i'm shocked to see it not implemented sometimes still is the implementation of analytics whether you use google analytics and the whole robust platform that they have or you have something more simple um, that's kind of baked into your to your content management system but this idea of like measuring right so what like what should we be measuring when it comes to the website and yeah i guess let's start let's start there what should we be measuring? yeah um again and it's so hard because there's no one size fits all um uh, this goes back to your goals. What are your goals, right? And what's your user journey look like? Um, so we have to know those things in order to know exactly what our analytics are going to be telling us, um, because they are going to be really helpful in, in helping us know whether or not we're achieving those goals, are we on the right direction or not. And um, just to kind of reiterate, like your analytics are really important. And even if they're not important to you, at some point in time, if you are going to, to, um, to, redesign your site again, or you're going to bring in somebody else like Kyle or me, we want to know your analytics on your site, right? We yeah. want to like be able to look and see where people are coming from, what pages they're going to. Um, it's, it's always, it's always comical. Like so often when I ask this question, like, do you have Google analytics on your site? Like there's just this awkward moment where they're like, maybe. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> um, and so if, if you're a maybe you're listening to this right now, go find out that answer and make sure you yeah. get it on there. Even if you're not touching it, that information that you're gaining um, over a year or so um, can be can be really helpful. And yeah. so um, one of the things is it can tell us what our, you know, our users are actually doing the things that we wanted for them to do. Are they going to the pages that we want them to go to? Um, and then... Um, what are they doing after that, right? Are they leaving right away? Well, we don't necessarily want them to leave right away, even if they, they've achieved what we want them to do on the site. Um, if we can get them to stick around for a little longer, that's great too. So your analytics can actually kind of tell you what, you know, what pages people are going, what that progression looks like. Um, so those are some things that, that I like to look at. Um, and not just Google Analytics, but um, heat maps, I think, are also really, really mm -hmm. helpful for, for users to have on their site um, so that you can just have some idea of um, two things, you know, what they're actually clicking on, where their mouse is going, um, because sometimes they're clicking on things that maybe you didn't think look like a button or you didn't think there should be a link there. And now you look at it you're like, ah, 
maybe we should put a link here because clearly they think yeah. that this this word here is it may be a link and so you can you can gain some stuff there or you can see that people are bailing on your page really quick um that's to me the most important thing is if nobody goes past below the fold um there's no reason for them to so you're you're missing something above the fold you know in that first section on, of your your website um where people land um is called the the, the fold there um so we need to know, are they scrolling further down in the site? Um, or where are they, are we losing them at a certain point in the site? Um, are we losing them because they're clicking into a different part of the, the site? That's not necessarily a problem, but we need to know that. And if we're losing it because they're not finding this information helpful on the site, then that's, that's, that's problematic and we need to start adjusting things. So um, I think Google Analytics and um, some sort of heat mapping are important. I don't think that, you know, if you can't afford to run a heat map continuously, uh, I think then just, you know, pay for it a, a month or two at a time and get some information, uh, allow that to inform you on in different directions you could go and some changes you can make to your site based again on data, right? Not just this nebulous, like, ah, I think this is what people are doing. Yeah. Um, you can actually know what people are doing when you have some real data. Yeah, I think there's two things there. The idea of like, let's capture this data, even if we do nothing with it for a year or two, when we do need it, it's there, right? And to your point, one of the things that I, I love about measuring that stuff and you're seeing where they're coming in and where they're dropping off. And also, I think it helps you kind of like you were talking about the heat map, but just the general idea of like, well, they're getting to this page and they're supposed to go to the next one, but they seem to be dropping off. Are, is there too much information here? Is there, you know, it kind of helps you identify problems. I think as you look at it on a regular basis and maybe that's monthly, maybe it's quarterly, maybe it whatever. But if you're looking at these analytics, you're able to make adjustments and, and really understand the other piece of measuring that I encourage our clients to do is like, look at your social media or your emails or whatever, what are the customers, your clients coming to you and, uh, and always asking for, what is it that they're, they're missing? And, and one of the things that we see is like, you'll, you'll get those customers and they'll be asking the question that you're like, that's on our website. Like, you know, that what's the price for this thing? Well, that's on the website. Like how come they don't know it? And so, Going back to the analytics, that's a form of measurement and saying, we're getting this question often. So let's go back, look at the analytics. Is there a broken link? Is there, is there a bad you know, flow or it's too hard to read it or whatever? And so you're paying attention to both the real analytics, but also kind of this, I guess, the softer analytics. And that's just kind of what you're hearing from the customer out there. And I think you compare the both of them and really use that information to make this website flow better and really solve a lot of problems. And it goes all the way back to our goals idea of like, maybe your, maybe your goal is to have less questions come in through the contact form. And we've actually been able to experience that. It's, it's a lot of fun when they're saying like, Hey, we're, we're just getting a lot of phone calls. We're getting a lot of questions. And this information is already on the website. We don't understand. So we go and redesign it and work on it really hard and then follow up in six months and they're like, yeah, we're not getting this, these questions as much anymore. The phone isn't ringing as much anymore, but our revenue is still here and our customer base is still here. So stuff's working. But at the end of the day, if we don't have any data, we're not measuring any of this, we're just, we have no idea. 
we're just shooting in the dark, right? Here's our goal. But, uh, you know, I know there's a target out there somewhere, but I'm not sure where it is and I don't know how to correct my aim. And I think that's a, that's where these analytics come in so powerfully. So we've gone through goals. We've defined our audience. Uh, we worked on design, clarified our message. We've created a nice customer path. We started working on driving traffic through campaigns and different things like that. Um, we're measuring all along the way. And the last thing is, okay, it feels like we're done, but right, we're not done. And the last thing is really adjustment and improvement, right? So what are, what are some things that we can do with analytics, with changes in trends and different things like that to like take that next step to adjust and improve? Yeah, and this is where, I mean, you can't have step number eight without step number seven, right? Um, and uh, um, this is this is really important part of the process. And hopefully this, this part can take a little bit of pressure off of you in the first seven steps. I think a lot of people, because websites are very expensive, right? They're not cheap and uh, they, they shouldn't be cheap. Uh, if, you're, if you're getting it cheap, then um, yeah, you, <laughs> you generally get what you pay for, for right? Um, <laughs> And, um, and so it can feel like there's a lot of pressure to get it exactly right. Um, and, and I don't think you have to, um, to be honest, like the only way to, to know that you're getting it, you know, have a lot of confidence is to put even more money into it at the beginning. And a lot of people don't have that kind of money. So this is where I think step eight is really, really important. You're gonna adjust and improve and you're gonna tweak nonstop. And you're gonna, as you're doing that, you're gonna be using, again, your, your analytics. So um, I'm changing things around on my site. Okay, are people staying longer? Look at your bounce rate. Um, uh, or um, I've looked at my heat map. People are bailing right at this certain spot on the page. Why are they leaving the site here? Why can't I get them to go further? Well, maybe there's just some, some simple things that we can do with the design to let them know that there's some really good information below. Or, um, maybe we need to adjust the structure of, of your page, right? So maybe you've got um, some really important stuff at the very bottom. You know, if it's a, you're selling a product, maybe you set, set up a lot of stuff and you, you don't get to actually showing the products until the near the bottom of the page. But what, let's elevate that up to the very top of the page or just below the fold um, and see if, see if that changes some things. Um, and the whole point here is to just adjust and test and tweak and do a lot of A-B testing and, and see, see what works well um, and then make adjustments and changes based upon some of the information that's coming. And um, this is where I really want to encourage people to not be afraid to experiment um, because I know it's hard because you're, you're putting money out there and you're thinking, if I'm putting money out there, there better be a return on investment. Mm -hmm. um, and, and while that, that certainly is true, that maybe what we can do is we can maybe lessen some of the spending on various uh, campaigns. And we're going to set up three different campaigns, test which one works the most, and, um, and, and then lean in on the one that works the most and adjust and tweak and, and make some changes along the way. Um, and the, the whole point, I guess, what I'm getting at is is to not feel like you're married to what you get on that same day where you launch your website. Uh, the best thing that you can do is to constantly change, improve, and adjust your site 
Um, you know, you're seeing that a lot right now, right? With, with um, COVID being so impactful. So many businesses did a great job and actually adjusted and pivoted. And it, any website you landed on, the very top had a bar up top uh -huh. that was telling you, you know, their protocol, which I think was, was important and helpful. But what if it didn't take a global pandemic for us to at least try out some stuff and change up our website? Yeah. Um, what if it, you know, you just look at current trends or um, something happening in the world uh, or even just very locally, right? Um, if you if, if that's your your target audience, um, to where you you adjust things, you change things up um, to kind of let your audience know you're speaking to them, um, or just to to experiment and see if something works better than other things. You can't do that unless you try. I think the other thing with the with the continued adjustment, right, is you're kind of helping your website last longer, right? Instead of saying, well, I'm going to make it like this, we're not going to touch it for three to five years, and then we're going to overhaul it, right? Instead, it's, okay, let's do this overhaul because that's what we've been doing. Now, like, let's make gradual improvements. Let's watch the trends, as you were saying. These things are changing. We're paying attention to analytics and all of this stuff. And in five years, we don't have to say, okay, scrap it and start over, you know, unless there's some just massive change for some reason, but like we've continually improved along the way. And you look up and you say, Hey, this website's still in great shape. I mean, if you do pay attention to um, let's, you know, let's use Apple as an example because their website is very clean, but like, honestly, I don't think they've changed the overall idea of it in probably a decade. They've just made improvements and adjustments along the way as new products kind of come out, they make these tweaks and so forth. And, and that concept is keeping them from one day it's this and the next day it's something wildly different. A, you're going to shock that customer base. You're going to shock, you know, your system and hopefully you've done SEO, right? So you're not killing your ranking and all of that type of stuff. But if we just make these continual adjustments along the way, we're saving a lot of energy and I think money on the long term, right? I mean, it's, it's definitely more efficient. It feels like you're always working on it, but you don't, uh, I mean, you look at it like a lawn, right? You don't, you know, let it grow all summer long and then chop it once. It's going to, it's going to destroy a lot of things. It's going to look terrible along the way. You mow it once a week and it looks good the whole time. So I think that same idea applies here to your website when you're paying attention to the analytics and then you're adjusting along the way. Yeah. And let, let's, let's maybe just take a step back and kind of look at this through just a really practical case study, for example. Um, maybe if you're, uh, maybe you have a lot of, generate a lot of blog content and um, you get a lot of clicks through social media. Um, if you're looking then at your analytics and you're saying, you know, we get a lot of clicks, but they're not actually, our click through rate is bad because we're not getting them to the, another page. They, they go and they read the article and it's clear they're reading the article because our bounce rates are, are fine, um, but uh, they're not doing that, that next thing. So then this is where then you can start, start testing some stuff out, right? Maybe, you're, maybe beneath your, your, uh, your article, maybe you have a link to another article. Um, and this is where I think you gotta get, um, gotta get creative and a lot of places get lazy here and they're not gonna link just to, or a lot of people will link to 
um, their, their most recent article. Well, odds are your most recent article is maybe not your best article. So maybe instead of linking to your most recent article, we're gonna experiment and actually link to our, our best article, the one that we got the most interest in and we got the most hits to. That's gonna be after every single article on our website. All right, and then now after that, maybe we put our clear call to action to sign up for whatever product. Well, we tried that for a month, nobody signed up. So maybe that was too big of a step. So now instead of after that, um, we can adjust and let's actually do that transitional call to action. You know, that thing that feels like $8, it's my email address. And it's gonna be, uh, you know, there's not much, uh, I don't have much skin in the game here. I'm gonna give my email address. Now we've got a drip sequence. Now, we, so we've got all these different things that we can start to adjust and we can tweak. Um, we're not just relying on our homepage to do all the work on the site. Um, and so this is, these are just like some examples of, of the different things that you can tweak and adjust and the different ways that which you can really just sit with this information that you get from your analytics and begin to think of, okay, what is this telling me? How can I improve? What are some of the things that I can tweak? Um, and maybe, it, maybe some of the things you tweak don't help, but my guess is, is after you start doing this and experimenting, you're gonna find a few things that are like, oh, wow, I, I did not have any clue of that. Um, and you wouldn't uh, unless you have analytics and you're 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 willing to take some uh, some potentially bold steps and experimenting a little bit. Yeah, there's value in in having a gut feeling for something, right? But oh, our gut can be wrong a lot of times because our gut is our own. And that concept of like, well, all my customers think and do things exactly the same way I do is just wrong. And so analytics will prove that day in and day out and your gut will not. So I think that's where we just feel like in analytics, they're not, they're not sexy by any means. I mean, it's a bunch of numbers and it's all that kind of stuff. It's not the pretty stuff. It's not the front end, but at the end of the day, it, it goes straight to the bottom line. And for most organizations, that's a pretty important piece of information right there so well actually um i feel like i mean I, like i said i've got notes here we're making changes as soon as we get off this call <laughs> but uh, i appreciate your time um you have so much wisdom i'm i'm looking forward to having you back um in the future just talk about web and even other you know just overall marketing ideas but this has been extremely important information as we think about especially for those that are in the process of or starting to think about rebuilding a website. Um, but uh, this may even spur on spur on that, that like, oh, well, we've got a lot of work. Maybe we should just start from scratch. Um, so I appreciate your time. It's it's really been, I've learned a lot. And um, so, if, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you and they've got more questions um, or something like that, like what's what's the best way to do that? Well, first of all, thanks for having me, man. This is this has been good. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, if you want to find me, you can find me on ashleypaulswanson.com. I'm pretty dark when it comes to social media. Uh, it's just a lot of noise. dark, as in just not there, right? Not like yeah, dark, yeah, as exactly. in <laughs> yeah. I think I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> okay. Um, but uh, I mean, you can look me up on LinkedIn if you want, but it may be a while before I accept the request because <laughs> I just don't do it. Um, but yeah, you can look me up on the website, um, or you could just go to, you know, you go to Blackwood and say, Hey, Blackwood, I want to work with you guys. Can we, can you bring Ashley in on the project too? Because uh, we do that every now and then. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I appreciate the time, man. It's been good. It's been good. So if you guys, um, have any questions, like you said, um, hit his website, get a hold of us. Um, and we're happy to chat, kind of help you walk through some of this process as well. And then of course, if, uh, if you do want to engage us with the actual project, we'd be more than happy to help with that. 
Um, but we're looking forward to sharing even more and more information through the Big Brand Theory podcast. So if you're one to follow along, you definitely need to follow us on social media. We've got everything. We're, we're all over the place because that's what we're supposed to do as a marketing company. Um, but Instagram, Facebook, everywhere, um, visit the big brand theory podcast.com. And we hope that you'll join us on our next episode. Thanks guys. And have an awesome day. Thanks so much for listening to the big brand theory podcast. Make sure to like, and follow us on social media and subscribe to the podcast today. 